podcast you've been looking for all along. Step into the life of urban exploration with guests from around the world. Welcome to No Tracers. Welcome back to the No Tracers podcast. My name is K, just the letter K, and I'm your host here on this podcast all about exploring abandoned places. Welcome to the show if you're new, if you've been listening for any amount of time. Welcome back to the show. If you are new, please hit the subscribe button. And if you've been listening for a while, please leave a rating and feedback on the show. It helps the podcast grow and helps us find a broader audience of listeners just like you. So we're almost at 10,000 plays on this show. And I am so very grateful for all of you that have listened and shared the podcast. You guys are the absolute greatest. If you are listening to this and you explore abandoned places and you want to come on this show to share your stories, please hit me up at no.tracers on Instagram or no.tracers on TikTok, whichever one you prefer, and we'll get you on the schedule. I would love to do more than one of these a week. I'd love to move to like twice weekly or even like three times a week to do this more frequently for you guys that are listening. This week on the podcast, my guest is Detroit Unseen. Check out his Instagram. He's also a part of Abandoned Central on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and all the places. All of his links are down in the description for you guys. This guy started out, first of all, as a heroin addict shooting up in different abandoned places around Detroit. And he then fell in love with urban exploring through that. And urban exploring actually saved his life. His story is incredible. I hope you guys stick around for this whole episode. It's about an hour long and it's worth every second of listening to this this episode, guys. This guy's story is absolutely amazing. Before we get into it, just a couple things quickly. First of all, I have a book out called No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary. You can check it out at notracers.com along with my blog, my photos, all my stories. Secondly, if you guys want to actually watch this episode on YouTube and see Detroit Unseen's photos, head to the Just the Letter K YouTube channel and you can actually listen to this episode while looking at his photography. I've edited a video together for you guys. So thank you guys for going over there. Be sure to subscribe. It looks like 85% of the people that watch my YouTube channel are not subscribed to it. So please hit the subscribe button if you dig the content. Lastly, I have to thank our partner on this podcast, which is Liquid Death Mountain Water, straight from the Austrian Alps. If you are ready to murder your thirst, check out this ad I made for you in three, two, one. From the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water, a water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint, Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid death. Murder your thirst. So if you want 10% off your order at liquiddeath.com, use promo code just the letter K. All the info is down in the description for you guys. I think you have to buy a koozie set as well. So you can get one case or 50 cases of water and then get a koozie set. I think it's like two koozies or something. Uh, Use code just the letter K and you'll get 10% off your entire order. All right, without further ado, Detroit Unseen, please introduce yourself and how long you've been exploring to the No Tracers audience. So my name is Bob, um, and uh, I am from Detroit, Michigan. 
and I am an urban explorer. Um, been an urban exploring. I stopped my start in 2000. Well, it's a little bit crazy. So I got my start actually kind of doing urban exploring in 2007, but I didn't really actually go into the buildings and start photographing until 2008. So uh, over 13 years now I've been doing this, uh, but probably 14 as far as photography and, and photographing abandoned buildings. Because I got my start just um, shooting uh, exteriors, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. So tell me about your first exploration. Like, bring me into that that first one you did, the first building you got into. Like, what was it like? What did you see? Tell me everything. Yeah, yeah, okay. So... I don't know if you had a chance to see the documentary that we did, uh, Abandoned Detroit, on our YouTube channel. Um, it came out five months ago. We released it in, I want to say, February. And it's got like 1.2 million views right now. So it's gotten really big, and it blew up. And so I talk about a lot of that, a lot of this on there. But so basically what happened is um, I was a heroin addict, and I was shooting heroin for a period of time when I was in my early 20s. And I got into, um, well, I got really close with this older guy that was um, a heroin addict as well. And we were squatting in a, uh, abandoned buildings. We would go into abandoned buildings to shoot heroin, to squat, to sleep, to get rest, to get out of the elements. So in 2003, somewhere around 2003, I decided to um, link up with them and we went to this place to squat and shoot heroin. And I, I, it was no, nothing was different about this day except for the fact that he told me that we were in this abandoned ballroom theater and that all of these famous musicians played at this ballroom theater. Uh, Janis Joplin, the Led Zeppelin. Um, I think he said Jimi Hendrix, but Jimi Hendrix actually did not play there. Um, but there was like the who and the MC five, um, and, uh, Bob Seger, Ted Nugent. So I'm like, okay, I don't know if this guy's telling me the truth. I don't know if he's bullshitting. So, oh, can we swear on here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, and so I decided to, uh, call, I don't know. I didn't want to call him. I didn't, I just was like, okay, yeah, right. You're bullshitting me. He says, no, I'm, I'm not bullshitting you. In fact, upstairs, because we're in the basement, upstairs is the stage uh, is still there. And I was like, no way, dude, let's go. So we went upstairs, and sure enough, there was the stage. And the architectural details, and the dance floor, and the chandelier, and like the, the uh, it's it was just amazing. Uh, all decayed, and I could just, for some reason... I loved it, and I felt like this energy. As a music fan and a music fan of old classic rock and everything, I was all into it. So I ended up, I remember actually going back uh, to my parents' house, I think, at, at shortly after that. At that time, I was homeless and, and all over the place. But I started to actually look into it and Google it and uh, research it. And sure enough, he was everything he told me was the truth. Every one of those musicians had actually played there other than Jimi Hendrix, but it was the Grandy Ballroom, and I immediately fell in love with that place. So I started to do research on it, like I said, and looking up stuff and looking up old photos. Well, I kind of forgot about it. I got clean on it from heroin uh, shortly after that, and um, 
I started to come back to, I stayed away from Detroit for a while because that was a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. But I started to go to grad school at Wayne State. Um, I started to go back to school to do something with my life. And one day, my mother actually had just given me a uh, point-and-shoot camera. It was like a uh, uh, one of those, uh, I don't know, ones that you had you could fit in your pocket, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, and it wasn't cheap, but it wasn't also expensive. So I had it, though. She'd just given it to me just to mess around with. That's when I started to drive around Detroit and um, kind of take photos of stuff. But I drove by the Grandy Ballroom in 2007. And I remember seeing it wide open and I immediately like did a U-turn, took that point and shoot camera, went into the Grandy Ballroom and kind of took a few photos. And then I left. And then I started to... Um, take photos of other abandoned places around Detroit. I would do research on them and I wasn't going into the places. I was just taking exterior photos. And then in 2008, uh, April of two, March of 2008, I think I drove by it again and saw that it was open. And at this point I had just upgraded my camera to an actual, uh, SLR. So I went in there and that, that, uh, 2008, photographed everything, the details, the stage, even the basement where I was squatting at. Um, and uh, that right there was what set it in for me. I really fell in love with not only the Grandy Ballroom, but of urban exploring in general. Then after that, I started to go back to some of the places that I had taken exterior photos of to go inside to get the interior pictures to match the exterior pictures, such as the Packard plant was one of them, Fisher mm. Body 21. Um, classic places in Detroit, uh, Woodward Ave Presbyterian Church, all those places. So I started going back and photographing them. And then there was an article, and this was probably what really did it for me. This article came out in on this blog that I was following at the time that was local Detroit um, uh, what you, journalist that was going around taking photos. He was not an urban explorer, but he was uh, taking photos of exteriors and stuff. And he did this article that was The Rape of Jane Cooper. And The Rape of Jane Cooper was an article that came out on his blog about this elementary school on Detroit's east side, Jane Cooper, and how Detroit public schools had left the building unsecured and the scrappers had come in and really ripped up the whole building, stole all the copper, stole all of the tile work, um, you know, stole all of the intricate details um, and then just vandalized it. They took all the windows out. The doors were gone. So he had done this article about Jane Cooper. And in that article, he mentioned a few other schools. And I went to all of those locations. <laughs> there was Brewer and Joy Middle School and that and started photographing them. And that was there right after that was March, April of 2008. And ever since then, I have not stopped. Wow. That's incredible, man. Like your story is like very like, like hard hitting because I mean, you went from going into these places to, you know, get high to falling in love with your passion. I think that's absolutely an incredible journey that you've gone on. And it's very inspirational. And like, I love, I love that you like read this blog post and you were like, I'm going to go to those schools. <laughs> I know. Right. Like seriously, I was just so in love with it. And I don't know, there was not, you know, you know, as well as I do, Kay, that nowadays 
urban exploring is getting really big and popular. And yeah. um, back then, no, nobody was really doing it. So mm. I didn't have a, I didn't have someone that um, could show me around. I didn't know many people uh, that were doing it. So it was my girlfriend and I at the time that were just doing it together because I knew not to go alone. Um, right. So it was her and I doing it together um, for that for those first couple of years. And it's funny because in the documentary and what people have told me afterwards is just that, how crazy it came full circle, how because of the addiction and because of my heroin addiction, I literally became involved in urban exploring. So, wow. it, yeah, what was killing me saved me, basically. <laughs> Ooh. Dude, that's amazing. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. If I didn't have urban exploring in my life, I don't, I'm not saying I would have relapsed or I would have gone back to heroin, but it certainly helped me to be able to do something where I had passion, where I enjoyed it, where it was a hobby, where it wasn't expensive, where I felt that I could express myself and become an artist. And also at that same time, I felt like I was so scared to be bored. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of, yeah. Because of recovery, you know, in re early recovery, boredom is a big trigger for people. Mm. So, and including myself, I had relapsed many of times. So I knew what my triggers were and I knew that. So all my downtime then, uh, if I wasn't doing schooling was about urban exploring, whether it was out doing sh photography, checking spots, driving around, looking for locations or researching on the computer. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, something that stuck out to me that you just said is that it wasn't expensive. Like, I forget that being an urban explorer, like they don't charge you to go in these buildings. Yeah. You know, it's exactly. it's like free. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, yep. Yep. Exactly. That's crazy. Wow. So let's uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about like, your favorite gear, like gear recommendations for people that are just getting into the hobby. This can be uh, your shoes that you wear, a backpack you use, a light, a tripod, anything. All right. So I switch it up and the I'm one that definitely does not wear tennis shoes exploring. Um, in the summertime, if I'm just going out locally, I might wear them. But if I'm doing a road trip or I know that I'm going out and getting into it, I always wear boots. That is something that I learned a long time ago because of the... Now, I'm not talking about just always winter boots because they make the um, low-rise, uh, you know, like shoe boots almost, like a hybrid um, that are waterproof, durable, uh, stable. They have good support um, because... We know that a lot of these places are have floods or they have water in the basement or inches of muck or sewage, uh, ceiling tiles, bugs, all those types of things. So I learned a long time ago that I better invest in some boots. So now I make sure that I always have a good pair of boots. Um, I wear bigger boots in the wintertime because of snow and ice and, and more water. And in the summertime, I have like a a pair of Timberlands that I wear that are kind of lower rise, you know, and I wear shorts in the summertime, which is a big mistake. I can't help myself though. I will not wear jeans or pants in the summer. I am just so stuck in my ways, but it has literally uh, come back to get me several times, whether it was ticks, bug bites, spiders, um, poison ivy, poison sumac, 
Um, just all those things uh, in general. Really, <laughs> wearing shorts is not the bright. Or don't not to mention hurting yourself when you're climbing and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. when you have a pair of jeans on, that's protection. When you have shorts on, you're not protected. So, I still am very can't do it. Can't wear pants in the summertime. Uh, so that's basically, and then I always have to have, um, you know, some different, I, I make sure that I have different, um, shirts and things like that because we rip them, we tear them, we, uh, get real sweaty and have to change. So always make sure I'm prepared. And as far as that goes, the gloves I wear, I wear mechanics gloves. That's my shit. I've been wearing those for a few years. They have good grip and they can help me to uh, strong arm a door if I need to. Um, I also have a, uh, I have right now a Manfrotto backpack um, that I really enjoy. I didn't like it at first, but I do love the Manfrotto backpack. Uh, I had a lower pro before. Um, I, that I liked, it was good, but I just needed something that was bigger and more durable and had more room. So I got this um, Manfrotto backpack about a year ago um, that I really enjoy fits the lenses in there and everything nicely. It's got lots of padding. Um, it's got the tripod holder on the side, which is vital. I can't even believe I used to explore with a, uh, I used to explore with a shoulder bag. which didn't even have a tripod or anything. Like, I, I don't know how I did that, but, um, and then I have a Sony. I, 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 I use Sony cameras. I've had, uh, I started out with, uh, Nikon and then went to Sony and I love Sony. Sony's been very good. Um, I have like the Sony A7R2 right now. Okay. Uh, so so I shoot on a A7S2. Um, do you find that the R is better for photos? Because I, I know you do video as well. Um, how How is it for, for shooting video? Because I, I picked the S2 because of the video aspect S2 of it. S2 is so sick. Um, my buddy's got that. Uh, yeah, it, obviously the S2 is phenomenal. Um, I'd love to have that, but the R2, I had before that I had the a7 three, um, the a7 three wasn't, no, wait, that was before my a7. So I had the a7 two before that. So that didn't have the 4k video. So now I have 4k video. Right. Um, that's obviously, uh, of importance. The files are bigger. It takes longer to edit. It takes longer to uh, upload, stuff like that. But it's well worth it because you have such better quality. Um, and then the R2 is 40-something megapixels, I think. Um, so it's a lot. But I don't really feel like that's necessary. I don't feel like um, – I don't really notice that much of a difference between my photos, especially in the a7 III to the a7R2. Um, but I definitely notice a lot of better quality with video. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, we were talking earlier about like, you know, uh, not wearing shorts in the summer because of climbing and things like that. Do you have any urban exploration injury stories? Dude, I just right now I'm dealing with fucking I don't know what happened, but I was in this abandoned house in uh, upstate New York in the Catskill Mountains. And um, I don't know. I still don't know what it was because I didn't feel any of it. But what happened was and I believe this is where it happened because it was the only thing that makes sense because I usually am pretty careful. And this house it was so cluttered in this living room, but it was really sick. So I wanted to shoot like different angles of the living room, and I made the ultimate mistake of sitting on the couch. 
And uh, I sat on the couch and then I laid back on the couch to get out of my photo so it wouldn't reflect in the mirror that I, you know, just trying to get out of this. So I actually laid on the couch and the couch was old, stunk, it was dirty, you know. Um, that night at the hotel, I started itching. Oh, no. Really, really bad, like to the point where I couldn't sleep. I started itching on my shoulder. Um, and my neck and my back, um, and then to my arm. And I didn't, I, at first I was like, okay, maybe I got poison ivy or something. But the next day I was itching again more and more. And that, that's when I decided to look at it the next morning in the mirror. And, uh, I had about eight or nine welts on my shoulder, my back and my neck, and then one on my arm. So they were, they weren't, my friend that I was with is, was a paramedic. Um, and my friend's like, oh, that's poison ivy. And I'm like, I don't know if it's poison ivy because these are like welts and they're not rashes and they're not, these welts were like spread out, you know? So I think what happened was, I think it was a spider and I think the spider got trapped in my shirt and just bit me over and over again. Because it was freaking out. Oh, God. Because all of my bites are under my, were under my shirt. Yeah. The only bite that wasn't was I had one on my neck. Right. Even the one on my arm was uh, on the, co- the covered arm, upper arm area. Damn. So I believe that it was a spider um, bite. And I just had to go buy uh, uh, hydrocortisone anti-itch cream. And then I bought bug cream, um, like a uh, uh, bacitracin or something. And I put yeah. all that stuff on. And within a few days, it well, I just got back. So it still itches a little bit. I have one, the one on my neck is still, uh, you can still see it. Um, but it, it, they're, they don't itch anymore. Oh, um, but that was, that was just, that's what that popped into my head when you asked that. But as far as other injuries go, like actual injuries, I have been very, very lucky where I haven't had any serious injuries. I haven't had even uh, a broken bone or I haven't, I've, my buddy's fallen through uh, floors before. I have never fallen through a floor. I've come close, um, but I probably, the worst injury that I had was um, I cut my, uh, my, uh, by my wrist, I cut myself with some broken glass and it was really close to like, I don't know what vein that, you know, when people commit suicide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was so, the blood was like black. It was really dark Jeez. and it was gushing. And I, and, and it, wor- it worried me. I almost thought I went to urgent care. So what I did was uh, I was on a road trip. So I just wrapped it with um, napkins <laughs> and I took like tape and I just taped it <laughs> and uh, explore. Cause I didn't want to stop exploring. I was on a road trip. <laughs> You know, and uh, it was bad. It was horrible. Like, I definitely should have gotten stitches probably. And I'm looking at it right now, and there is a definitely a scar there. Oh, yeah. Um, So that's probably the worst, worst injury I've had, which of other people's shit, that ain't nothing. Yeah, right? Yeah, we've heard, I've heard on this show, like, somebody's friend got impaled on a spike fence, like, just crazy crazy shit. shit. Yeah, like, his leg went through the spike. Oh, God. Oh, God. Dude, that's (laughs) making me cringe. 
It's That's so why funny. I hate those spiked fences. Yeah, they're horrible. They're horrible. Or that guy, uh, Six Million Stories, Derek, I think is his name. He um, was in Memphis, man, with my buddy, and he was climbing Steric, a skyscraper, and he fell. I think it must have been about 30 feet and uh, broke his – dude, he fractured his skull, I think, and uh, broke his leg and broke some of his ribs and shit. He was in the hospital. I think he was in a coma. Oh, my God. What? I know. And then there was another one just this last winter where my buddies – they're not buddies of mine. They're associates, I guess, because uh, I talked to them here and there. They're from the East Coast. They were here in Detroit on a road trip, and he was up on a wall climbing the wall to try to get to the backyard, and the wall collapsed and then fell on him. Wow. I went and see him in the hospital and everything. He was in the hospital here in Detroit for like two weeks, three weeks, and then he had to do physical – therapy and i don't think he's exploring still and that was like six months ago wow damn that's I crazy it's this is not the safest hobby but it is fun. not and that's why you can't go alone it's real dangerous yeah. to go alone absolutely absolutely so what's the longest amount of time you've spent in one of these places in a location yeah um i'm usually pretty quick I, I, my philosophy has always been the longer you stay in a spot, the more chances you are to get caught. Yep. So I'm always pretty quick and I like to move quickly and I can visualize a room and, and how I want to shoot it pretty fairly fast. But the longest I've ever spent in a spot was probably, uh, in April of this year, April. Yeah. April of this year, I went to Linwood mansion, um, that big mansion in philly that's blowing up right now that mm -hmm. so many people have done 110 rooms wow it's fucking unbelievable <laughs> now it's locked up now they they put alarms in and everything because mm. so many people went but we did a whole video there and um and a photos uh photos and a video and we were in there for over four hours damn that's crazy and that for me i'm gonna tell you right now that is something i never do i'm i'm never even i'm one that won't even spend an hour in a location. Yeah, but with 110 rooms, it's like a given. Exactly, and you had to do. We had to do the video and the photos. Yeah, exactly. So it just takes like twice as twice as yep. long. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And we wanted it. This place is incredible. It's honestly, okay, it's probably the best location in the United States. Damn. Um, and. <laughs> We wanted B-roll. We wanted detail footage. Mm. We had different lenses that we did, you know, for the different footage wow. for the video. And then we did a walkthrough with me talking and narrating it. So, yeah, it was a lot of work. That's incredible. We haven't though. even dropped that yet. That'll be – that's – that we're going to do that. We're working on that one right now. Do you know how long that video is going to be? We want it to be pretty close to, like, an hour. Yeah. I figured it, it's got to be. We want it to be more of a documentary. Right. Yeah, and with, with a location place. that big, yeah, it's got to yeah. be a little longer. Like, so, it's crazy. Like, his sons were killed in the Titanic and shit. Like, it's insane. What? Damn, yeah. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. He was an investor in the Titanic and uh, sent his sons. Yeah, so it's a crazy history about the place. Damn. So, being in Detroit, I've had a couple guests on that are also from Detroit or have explored Detroit, and they've told me some crazy stories exploring that, that place. Um, can you tell me about your scariest yeah. exploration? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, in Detroit, it's been, man, this is, 
I talk about this in the documentary too, because at the time, now it's funny, like looking back on it, but at the time I was scared and so was my girlfriend. Um, we were in Cast Tech High School, which is no longer there. This would have been 2000, and this was right when I first started, so 2000, because I was with her. So 2008, maybe 2009. We went to Cast Tech High School, which was this phenomenal high school in Detroit. Eight stories, three gymnasiums, two auditoriums, two swimming pools, everything left. Absolutely phenomenal. One of the best locations of all time. Um, we, It was in the Cast Corridor in Detroit, and I lived in the Cast Corridor at the time, which is fucking hood right now it's a little bit better because detroit's coming back a little bit but back then it was really bad we uh there was homeless people that hung out and squatted and shit like that we went to leave and when i looked out the door there was a door you used to have to reach in the broken window and pop mm. the door um and there was a board that went over the window uh, and you would slide this board over or lift it up and then reach in and pop the door. So I was ready to go. So my girlfriend and I were there. We were getting ready to go. And when I looked out to see, because you obviously you want to look out to see if there's cops or anything out there before you go. I saw that there was a guy standing there. Um, and I just got a quick glimpse of him. I didn't really see. I, I knew that he was an older, um, an older dude and he looked dirty and homeless. So... I shut the, the board or whatever and said to my girl, I said, look, there's a guy standing right there. We can't leave right now. We got to wait it out. Um, now, days, I probably would just fucking leave and just do it, you know. But back then, I was, I was a rookie. I didn't know what I was, you know. I was just scared. So I decided to wait it out. We went and I think we went even went and took more photos and we came back like a half an hour later. Even 20 minutes later. It wasn't even that long. And this time, this is crazy. When I looked out, the, the wood board thing that I had to slide over, when I slid it over to look out, this dude was looking in at me. So it was like the movies when you see it. Like I slid this thing over, and when I look, there's just eyes looking at me. Oh, my God. So I was like, oh, my God. So I shut it. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. He's going to kill us. Like I'm I, Just the way he was so crazy looking um and he was super super like dirty and like just rough hair um and he had no shirt on um which i didn't really realize what his outfit was until i decided to leave so i'm like all right fuck it we just got to go and we got to basically hopefully he doesn't follow us so i decided that the best decision was to go and it was probably the wrong decision because I left. And when we left, we just said, okay, we're just going to kind of walk fast away from him. When we walked out onto the steps, he yelled something. He, he was like, I thought he was a superhero or something. So he was yelling like some shit. Um, and we turned around and he was naked, butt naked, with a cape on and a sword in his hand. No joke. This fucking dude chased us. And um, we, I li like I said, I lived in the corridor at the time. So I had only lived a couple blocks away. But I didn't want to run home so he could knew where I lived. So we ran like around the blocks and like eventually we had to hide behind like a dumpster and shit. And like we waited and then he ended up passing us and like then we got away. But that shit to me scared me so bad. 
uh, it took me a while for me to even get back into exploring. After, I mean, it was only a, probably a couple weeks, but I was I was shook after that. That scared me. Yeah, that's insane. It's like Not, yeah, you never know who you're gonna run into in these places. And I I recently had a guest on, and they were going through like a I think they were going into a hospital, and they had to go through like an underground like tunnel kind of situation. You know how like the old asylums had like the underground yep. tunnels where they transported everybody. So. They're like going through the tunnel and at the very end of the tu- like the hallway, there's like a figure just pacing back and forth from room no. to room. Yeah. In the yeah. dark, in the dark. And they were like, yeah, we got to go. So they like, they like book it out and they're like going out through the tunnel and they turn around and the dude is coming towards them in the uh, tunnel. Oh God. No <laughs> this gives way. me the chills, man. Yeah, me too. That's why I, that's, Woo. that's scary shit to be involved in that shit. I mean, I know it's like I've been very, very blessed that I've expo- been exploring Detroit for 13 years, over 13 years, and I have yet to really have a bad incident, you know, um, knock on wood and count my blessings. But like I've had heard horror stories of associates or friends of mine that have been robbed mm-hmm. um, at, at gunpoint. And like my boy got robbed at gunpoint at the East Town Theater and made him they made him strip naked and like all that Whoa. shit. and. I have yet to have anything like that happen, and I sure hope that it doesn't happen, you know. But there's been times where I've had to hide from uh, ghetto dogs, like stray dogs and shit that were trying to hunt us down. Or um, There was times where uh, I got my window broken out once um, at a location because they were trying to steal shit out of the car. Um, But, like, all that shit, like, is minor compared to what other people have been through. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So we just talked about scary experiences. Can you tell me now your favorite exploration that you've been on? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I would have to say my favorite location of all time. It's hard to say because I've done so much and so many different types of locations. But in my... There's a few that stand out. Uh, one of them is a state hospital in Tennessee. Um, it is I did it, man, probably four years ago, maybe five years ago. Uh, it is just amazing. This building, there's a couple of buildings actually, has it all from dental shit to a morgue to um, the embalming table to patient files and patient suitcases left behind from like the fifties. Um, just, um, uh, inside the suitcases, they had like cards from their family members and like their old clothes and toothbrushes. And like, dude, there was so much shit in this place, old wheelchairs. Um, just a phenomenal location. So that's probably my favorite hospital. And it's really difficult. Like people just tried it recently and ended up going to jail because they mm. take you to jail right away there. Um, that place is amazing. There's also another hospital in uh, Alabama that's very similar, but even not, I don't think, I don't think I like that one as much. But it is a fucking great spot. There's like 12 buildings on the property. They're all loaded. There's a morgue. There's uh, old patient beds. Um, there's this old uh, circle beds. Um, I don't oh, know. Yeah. These... Yeah. Those are there. And that's in wow. a locked room. You have to have a skeleton key for it. Wow. Um, 
that was that's and there's like old operating lights and shit that place is and the the porches in the hospital where the patient buildings used to be are all overgrown you know it's a fucking great spot those two are always my favorite two hospitals uh one of my other favorite locations is the houston astrodome in houston texas uh it was the, where the houston astros used to play baseball it's been wow vacant for maybe 10 years now but it's super difficult to get into and it's heavily heavily secured by security and the police um and i did that last year uh and that was a huge check off the bucket list um just because of how iconic it is and like the dome and all the seats are there you know and just wow super cool stuff um but then if i go back into my old like all-time favorites the three there was Three locations in Detroit that really stand out, and that is um, the Highland Park Police Station. This police station, I will never see anything like this. And I don't know if there's anything out there like this. This this police station left the evidence room. What? (laughs) With all of the evidence in it. Like, if you go on my Instagram, I posted a picture of it. Uh, I think I did, like, ten pictures of it. Uh, two or three posts ago, uh, four posts ago, um, stolen car, stolen license plates, uh, homicide shit. There was a knife used in a stabbing, bags of wow. weed, crack cocaine, old mug shots, uh, fingerprint index cards, the jail cells, the courtroom. There was a courtroom in there. The <laughs> homicide unit, they had rape kits in there. Wow. And then... The best part, one of my favorite parts, there we had a serial killer here in Detroit in the early 90s. His name was Benjamin Atkins. They called him the Woodward serial killer. This dude targeted prostitutes in Detroit at Highland Park. And uh, they had all of his files down there and his evidence and the victims. And the, they had a board down there still in the basement with all of the bodies and how they were found and if they were gagged and nude and raped and all that shit. It was still in there. Wow, dude. And in the documentary, uh, you actually, there's video, there's a video footage of it that you see in the documentary that I have on there too. It's just, it was just amazing. So that was one of them. The other one was actually the high school that I was telling you about where the superhero, naked superhero mm-hmm. with the cape and the sword. That place, Jesus, phenomenal. Like I said, there was three gymnasiums, two swimming pools and two auditoriums. The auditorium, the big main auditorium, was the largest public school auditorium in the United States. Wow. It went up three stories. It was huge. Oh, my God. And it was amazing. And it was built in 19 – I want to say it was built in 19 – pre-Depression era, 1920, something like that. Maybe even 1912. Um, So they had – all this, and then if you think about it, and then uh, actually in the documentary, you see some of the more video, um, the biology in the science room um, that had all the beakers, you know, and all of the um, like pig embryos and, you know, all sorts of shit. And then like the music had all the instruments and like the library had all the books and just fucking you just the art class had all the art supplies wow. and 
it was pre-depression 1920 and it was historic and it was a beauty you know when you explore a spot and it's not historic it's still cool but when you explore a historic spot it just adds to it yeah of course absolutely and then the third one that was worth mentioning i think is the um Mark Twain Public Library. This was an abandoned historic library on Detroit's east side with all of the books left inside. Wow. It was all categorized and sectioned, but also decaying. So, like, you could, dude, it was just amazing stuff. Damn. Do you have, like, a a favorite type of building that you explore? Like, yeah. I, I love, like, asylums the most, I think. And then shortly yeah. after that is, like, schools. I love schools. Yeah, yeah. I, my favorite locations are funeral homes and hospitals. For sure. I I've never, so I've never done a funeral home. home. I've never done a funeral home. Oh, they're so fucking awesome. I love them. But they're hard. They're hard to find, too, you know. Yeah, for sure. They're hard to find. They're you'll find them. You'll find them that are closed, but going in and and having gutted or nothing in there, you know. These ones that have caskets and coffins, and I find for some reason I always end up finding ones that have cremated remains and shit, you know. Wow, that's nuts! Fucking amazing, yeah. Crazy. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about social media. First of all, how did you come up with your username, Detroit Unseen? Okay, so um, it actually goes back to when I first started doing this. Um, it was my girlfriend and I at the time, like I said, and I started to um, Facebook uh, back then. It was Facebook. I was like, I want to do a Facebook. Um, I didn't have a Facebook. I didn't have a personal Facebook. I didn't have anything but my girlfriend did. So I decided to create a business page and um, I was like, what am I going to call it? You know, Bob's fucking abandoned. No, I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to come up with this. My So at that time, I had already been doing it for, I think, a year or two. I started to meet other explorers during that time. Um, the survival crackers are the main ones, and I talk about them in the documentary, too. They were doing it before me and ahead of me, and they were, they were somebody that inspired me. They were a little rough and they did a lot of vandalism, which I didn't like, but I definitely, and they inspired me. So they would say to me, Bob, you seem to find these unseen gems or these unseen places in Detroit that nobody else does and stuff like that. So when I created the Facebook, I think I was like, I post, I remember posting on her page using her Facebook page before I created the business page and I would put a picture of like cast tech and I'd be like cast tech Detroit or whatever. Then I'd throw another image of somewhere that I, nobody else had done. And I'd be like, here's an unseen Detroit location. Hmm. And so then those guys, like I said, they'd be like, yeah, you have some unseen shit. So then I was like, I'm going to create my own page and I'm going to call it uh, unseen Detroit. And then I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to do Detroit unseen because I want Detroit to be first. Nice. So that's how it all happened. So I created this Facebook page and named it Detroit unseen and started folk, uh, posting abandoned Detroit locations. Um, and that's how it, and that was probably in 2010, I'd say. And that was how it all, and the Facebook page is still there, but I don't ever post on there hardly at all. 
Yeah, because Instagram is a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Really taken over. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so what has social media done for you as both a creator and as an explorer? Like, have you been able to connect with other explorers? Like, talk a little bit more about social media and what it's done yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. There's been – I have a love-hate relationship with social media. It obviously is a benef- beneficial thing if you're trying to promote your work or you're trying to get a business and all that stuff. So it's been very uh, beneficial in that sense where I'm able to kind of show off my work and my photos or my videos and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's really allowed me to connect with people all across the world and um, some of them other explorers. And, and in fact, I met, you know, like, one of my best friends now, Fran, he and I um, met basically through social media and him and I are Abandoned Central and we're the ones that are doing the, the Abandoned Central YouTube channel now. And like, that's how we did the documentary. And like, he was the one that produced the documentary. And so we met a few years ago off of social media and him and I are like best friends now. Wow. So. That happened, like, or my buddy Damien, who lives in New York City, who I just went to go stay with in New York City. Him and I met on social media. Um, all these, you, I mean, you know, you and I met on social media. So, like, all of this, uh, I guess, um, networking um, comes from social media. Uh, it wouldn't be the same, I don't think, if it wasn't. A lot of people in urban exploring would go to travel to other cities and they would hit up all the locals in those cities and they'd be like, okay, Hey, I'm coming to Detroit and I would love to meet up with you and you can take me around and show me shit. Well, I was never with that because I don't want to show anybody my shit because my <laughs> shit is unseen and I don't want anybody to find it. And I want to be the only one to do it. It was very selfish and very, at that time I was very, uh, I had gotten burned a few times and I was kind of oh, yeah. salty about that. So I didn't trust a lot of people. Um, so I was very hesitant to meet up with people, but that seemed to be like a huge, uh, thing. And, and, and especially with Instagram and urban exploring, people were traveling around to these cities and they'd hit up all the people. So if somebody was coming to South, Southern California to explore, they'd hit you up or whatever. And yeah. I, it took me a long time to actually meet people, but I ended up meeting up with a few people, um, uh, mostly people that would come here. I was one that was never going to go to another city and hit up people and ask to be followed followed or showed like a tourist i'll go find my own shit you know for sure. so but i'm glad for that aspect of it because i've met some incredible people that are now my friends and will probably be lifelong friends yeah no i feel the same way you know and like this podcast has been huge for me like as far as connecting with other explorers like i recently went to nashville and hit up one of my previous guests abandoned Nashville and I was like yo like what are you what are you up to this weekend like would love to hang out and go hit some spots and he's been exploring Nashville for you know years and uh he happened to be hanging out with one of my other previous guests Big Banks and so me him and Steve Ronan who is you know pretty well known on YouTube all went and hit like a couple spots together and it was it was rad man just just getting connected through this podcast is exactly see that's that's what i'm saying your podcast has allowed you to network with not only the guests that you have on there but then associates of theirs and then theirs and it spreads and that's Mm -hmm. awesome 
Yeah, it's been crazy, dude. It's a it's a wild experience, and I, I lo- I'm so grateful for this podcast, and obviously everybody that listens to it. And you know, I've I've gotten people to like reach out to me and be like, "Yo, I have got stories. Like, let me come on the show." And I'm like, "Yes, Straight anybody. Up. Like, come on, let's go." That's it's what's rad. up. Hell yeah. So, do you have any bucket list items, places you haven't been yet that you're dying to go to? Yeah. Um, in fact, that was part of the road trip reason for the road trip that I was just took. Um, there's a, um, hospital in, um, DC and, uh, not too many people have done it. It's one that's very, very sketchy and very difficult. And, uh, because it's DC, they have cameras, they have security and obviously it's DC. So you have the Capitol police who think everyone's a terrorist. Yeah. So you have to be very careful. I had it all planned out. I had the trip planned out and everything. And then I got arrested in Gary, Indiana. Oh. So I couldn't do it. I had to pull it. I had to pull it off the list um, because I, I can't. I've been arrested. Shit, I have lost count. Okay. So I've been arrested a, a lot. Um, more. Usually I'm able to get it thrown out or get it off my record because of a pay or I show them, Hey, look, I have a master's degree. I'm a social worker. I, I'm a drug and alcohol therapist to help people. You know, I do all that. Or I say, you know, I was just taking photos and every one of these locations, thank God is usually unlocked or open doors. So I'm not breaking in, you know? So Gary, Indiana, it was just a, it was just a fuck up, you know, like I should have known better, but, um, Fran and I were there to do a documentary about Gary. We wanted to do a, a follow-up to the Abandoned Detroit series. We wanted to do a, Abandoned Gary. So we had started filming, and we went to Michael Jackson. You know Michael Jackson was from Gary, Indiana. Yeah. So we went to his house and then we, where he grew up, which is still there. And then we went to his high school. And his high school is abandoned, and his high school was closed like two years ago. And it's very difficult to do because they have alarms and security and all that shit. So we talked to the security guard. Security guard's like, oh, I, I don't know nothing about it. I can't let you in. I don't even have keys. So we're like, all right, whatever. So we ended up going and walking around, and we found an open door, unlocked too. So wow. we go in, silent alarms. Uh, we shoot the auditorium, which was fucking unbelievable. This auditorium is so sick. And it's starting to decay real nicely. So we knew it was sketchy, so we ended up leaving. So we were in there for maybe 10 minutes. We left. We walked back to the car. Right before we get to the car, the cops pull up. Um, so we walk over to them, and we told them, hey, look, yeah, it was us. You know, like, I'm all, I've always been under the impression that honesty is the best. You know, like, uh, I've gotten busted so many times, and I'm always usually able to kind of talk my way out of it. In this wow. case, it wasn't happening. They were just like, we're tired of people coming to Gary, Indiana to think that this is their own playground and they can do whatever they want. And uh, you, you're from Detroit. You have enough abandoned buildings there. Why don't you stay home? You know, all this shit. So this, this fucking white cop was such a dick. Like, I, I wanted to smack him across the face. He was such an asshole and literally fucking gave us misdemeanor trespass. So it's not a big deal. It's not like I'm breaking and entering or felony or anything that, but... I, and whenever I have an incident like this, I tend to chill out for a minute. Yeah. For like sure. I would, this was back in Mar, uh, May. No, I'm sorry. April, May. Yeah. May. So I had already had this 
trip plan that I just got back from this two week trip to the East coast. I already had the rental car booked. I had already paid for a hotel room. Uh, I, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to pull out of doing this hospital in DC because I don't want to get caught again um, with this Gary Indiana shit pending already. Right. So that was my whole take on it. Oh wait, hopefully I haven't heard shit from Gary and it's been since, like I said, the end of May. So I guess it's only been two months maybe, but I think that they're going to eventually get us and go have to go to court. And once I take care of that, maybe I'll try it again. I'll try to go do that hospital in DC. But as for now, I'm going to wait until this to see what happens with all this scary shit. Oh yeah, for sure. That's probably the best idea is to kind of lay low for a little bit. Got to. And it's happened many times, you know, I mean, dude, back in the day, I talk about this too in the documentary, I got arrested at um, Samson Elementary School in Detroit. I got ticketed and arrested, and uh, then I went and ended up getting um, uh, while that was pending. I went and got another arrest <laughs> at uh, uh, Grant Elementary School, and they took me to jail for a couple of days. And then the one situation ended up never finding out about the other, so I ended up getting booked and getting charged on one of them but the other one got thrown out. Now, had they known that I was in trouble on the other one, they probably would have charged me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got lucky on that. So I don't want to do that again. Now, that was a fucking stressful situation. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, luckily for myself, you know, knock on wood, like I've never been arrested or anything like that, ticketed or anything. But, I mean, we had another guest on come, come on, and uh, he talked about how, like, arrest doing this is inevitable. You know, like, it is. you can only yeah. push your luck so much. <laughs> yeah, if, the, the you know, you're doing this for long enough, it's going to happen. Yeah. Either you're going, you might not get arrested, but you're going to have run-ins with the police. Oh, yeah. I, I've definitely had my fair share of that, but they've always been super cool because, I mean, like we explained, like, we're not vandals. Yeah, we're exactly. taking photos, you know, like, we'll leave. You know, it's not a big deal, you know, so we've been pretty pretty lucky we've been yeah we've been let into places by security which is cool like that's always cool yep super super lucky with that so uh if you could live in one place you've explored for an entire week which place would it be new york city yeah like like which bando would it be oh shit man if it was a particular bando and i have to live in for a week Man, that's tough to say. It'd probably, honestly, be one of the state hospitals just because mm. there's so much to shoot in these state hospitals that I would would not be bored, you know? Right. Um, and I, if it's one I've already done, then I'd probably have to go, say, Alabama or the one in Tennessee. Um, but if it's one I haven't done, I'd probably like to spend a week on Long Island in Boston. There's a hospital on Long Island in Boston that is just amazing. It's got, like, a 12-person morgue and shit and, like, but you can't get the only way you can do it is by boat. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, That's it's sick. insane. It's insane. That's yeah. Sick. Not, not a lot of people have done it. Wow. Yeah. Cause that's like a lot of extra work, a lot of extra effort to get into. Yeah. The you spot. gotta, you gotta pay, you gotta find someone that's going to take you and shit and pick you up that, like, and yeah, they, make sure they yep. pick you up. <laughs> yeah. So that's another bucket list one that those are the two that I want the most. Nice. Nice. So, my next question for you, uh, it's kind of a weird one, but I like to ask it. Do you have tips for not getting caught? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
probably the smartest thing that you can do is when you get into a spot, if you get into a window or a door, always check to see if there's um, strips on the windows or doors. Silent alarms will get you every time. And more and more silent alarms are being placed in these locations. More and more cameras with motion sensors and alerts to the owners or the property managers or whatever, like ring doorbells or um, what do you call those things where they have um, trail cams. Oh, yeah. Trail cams are really popular nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, fuck yeah, they will because you don't even see them. Exactly. People are getting so smart. (laughs) Yep. And it's cheap, right? So it's like Mm -hmm. 50 bucks. You go out and buy a trail cam. You put a card in there. And then every time there's a motion alert, it sends a picture of whatever's sending the motion off to your phone. Damn. So the owner's got you right there. Boom. Fuck. And you don't even know because there's no audible that you don't know. Yeah, there's no, so, they, they don't make sound. Shit. You got to be on point when you get into a spot. You have to look around when you get in uh, for signs of like magnet strips on windows or doors that'll mm-hmm. that'll uh, send off an alert. Um, usually you can see them and you can see the motion sensors and cameras too. You just got to look. You just got to be able to look and know what you're looking for, you know. Exactly. That's the biggest thing you can do uh, when you're going to mostly – the big, the, what I try to do, the first thing I do in a spot, especially if it's a spot that has power or electricity, I go find the alarm panel and I have to go find that alarm panel to let me know, okay, is this place alarmed or are the alarms off or is there mm-hmm. failure to communicate? And the alarm panel will tell you everything. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for those tips. Uh, I'm sure people will utilize those greatly. Yeah. Um, and then my last question for you is, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Probably how to pick locks. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten really, um, I, I, I have a skill set, you know, that has taken me years to get. Um, and had I had that skill set in the early days, I probably wouldn't have some of the, um, I would have gotten into some of the better locations that are not here anymore. Mm. There was one location in particular, um, that, um, is gone now, but they, dude, oh man, I knew, now I know I could have done it because of the lock that was on it. It was an easy, easy pick. Um, so that for sure is some, but also just to remember that cops can do whatever they want. Like I used to be in the early days, you know, be like, oh, it's fucking, Detroit, you know, they're not going to fuck with me or they're whatever, but like they do and they can do whatever they want. And so yeah. now I just go into it with the most respect. That's why I go to them and I'm honest with them. And I tell them, you know, Hey, look, I'm just taking photos because these cops can do whatever they want. If they want to lock me up for breaking and entering, even though I didn't break and enter, they can do that. Yeah, absolutely. So I know nowadays to really respect the police, even as much as I hate them to right. at least fake fake it or say it to their face like hey i respect you i understand i did wrong and kind of take responsibility for what i did yeah absolutely hey man you gotta you gotta do it especially like you said they can do whatever the fuck they want to do hell yeah they can like in detroit and i told you i got they took dude they took me to jail me and my buddy spent two days in jail um and then they just released us 
with no charge. Like they just held us for two days. That's so fucked up. <laughs> just to send us a message. Cause they God. literally told me stay out of our buildings. Yeah. Damn. That's crazy, dude. It is crazy. It's just fucked up. Or the cop and Gary, like this cop obviously saw it was a wide open door unlocked. Yeah. Didn't damage anything. We didn't steal anything. We have thousands of dollars in camera gear. Right. Right. <laughs> like, dude, why are you fucking with us? And like, he was just such an asshole. I hate that. I hate so, it. It's like, dude, you could have done whatever. And I feel like had we not the whole time, I'm yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand. It was my bad. I shouldn't have done it. Now, had I been like, you know what? Fuck you. You got a fucked up attitude, man. This is why America hates the police and shit. Like he could have been like, you know what? I'm going to charge you with breaking and entering. Right. Mm-hmm. So I learned not to do that. And in the early days, I used to be an asshole like that with the police. You know? Yeah. Man, it's crazy out there, but I'm glad you're you're still exploring and you're still telling these stories. And, you know, thank you for coming on this show. If people want to if people want to keep following your journey, where can they find you online? Drop your social media. For sure. So like I have a uh, social media, I have um, TikTok and um, Instagram and the Facebook, even though it's, I've rarely post on there. I do post from time to time though, especially if I'm promoting something It's all Detroit unseen. So uh, Detroit unseen, Facebook, Detroit unseen, Instagram, Detroit unseen, TikTok. Um, and then my partner, Fran and I, also have abandoned central so we have the social media same thing tiktok abandoned central instagram abandoned central facebook abandoned central we have a website abandonedcentral.com with the blog on there and everything with uh our we usually post a video every week and then we link the blog with it and all that on the website um so we have our youtube channel as well which is abandoned central on youtube all right, folks, that was Detroit Unseen. If you want to check out his photography or his videos, I've put all of his links down in the description for you guys. Thank you for listening to another week of the No Tracers podcast. If you want to come to the show or if you want to recommend anybody for this show, please hit me up at no.tracers on Instagram, and I'll uh, put them on the schedule. I would love to have you or your friends or your friends' friends, anybody that you follow that you think would be good for this show, please hit me up and let me know so I can reach out to them or, you know, reach out yourself if you want to come on the show. I'd love to have more people on here. And uh, if you're new to the podcast, please hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and feedback. And if you do that, I'll actually send you a free signed photo print of an abandoned place that I've explored as a way of saying thank you. Lastly, if you guys want to pick up a copy of my photography book, No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary, head to notracers.com slash shop. Over there, you can also see a transcribed version of this episode along with my blog where I post the stories of my explorations. All right, guys, I'll talk to you next week for another episode of No Tracers, the podcast. Stay strong, keep enduring, go out, go explore something, and remember, leave no trace.